In previous episodes, I have talked about the hawks. We have a lot of hawks in our area. And you can see them flying in the air, usually two or three at a time. Sometimes you see one. And then they're very loud. So you can also hear the sound that they make across the sky. And growing up, I used to always look up, always look up because I was always looking for one particular bird. When I was growing up in Dallas, Texas, I would look up in the sky for this particular bird. And most of the time what I thought I was seeing, I found out I was not. I was seeing what is a hawk. And then when I moved to Oklahoma, I lived near the mountains and I would often look up and see the birds, big, huge, long wingspan birds flying in the air. And again, was looking for one particular bird, but most of the time they were hawks. And then I moved to Georgia and the same thing. But there were a few times, at least within Dallas and in Oklahoma, where I did see a particular bird. And you might have guessed it, but that bird is an eagle, particularly the bald eagle. Now in Oklahoma, I happened to be driving one time and I saw three eagles down on the ground. I mean, it was the sight of a lifetime. They were just walking around and they were not bald eagles. I forget what kind of eagle they were because at least at the time I didn't know, but I do remember I went home and I Googled it, but they were big, huge brown eagles. And they were just out foraging or doing whatever it was they were doing and all I could do was watch from a distance but I'm also looking up in the sky today and just like any other day I always hope to see an eagle but most of the time it will be a hawk how do you know the difference between an eagle and a hawk when you're looking from down below and the bird is up so high that all you can do is see their wings? I mean, after all, hawks can soar in the air just like an eagle can, but the only difference is the eagle does not have to flap their wings for a very long time. But with hawks, you will see them flap their wings from time to time. Particularly, the bald eagle has a white head and white, a white tail. If you see a bird in the air and you wonder, is it a hawk or is it an eagle? That is how you would be able to tell the difference. If it is an eagle, it would have a white head and a white tail. If it is a hawk, it will actually be one solid color, typically, and that color is brown. If you happen to see a big, huge bird in the sky, and that bird has a long wingspan, just like an eagle or an hawk, and the wings are actually white, it's like white tipped, that, my dear, is a vulture. And in Oklahoma and in Georgia, we have plenty of them. There was one neighborhood I lived on where literally on my street, it would be five or six of them down on the ground in someone's yard because they literally feast on anything dead. Well, you know, a dead animal. And they will come from miles away to get it. 
And it can be quite scary because, I mean, they're, they're huge birds, very huge birds. And they just have this distinct look to them. And they just look, you know, almost evil, almost Halloween-ish, just these big, huge vultures. Um, but they don't typically bother humans. Um, so it's just really interesting. So now you know when you're down below and you're watching these beautiful, large, long wingspan birds in the air, now you will be able to tell the difference and know what is what. And that has led me to a particular scripture in the Bible. It's coming out of Isaiah chapter 40. Verse 29 through 31. And today I will be reading from the New International Version. It says, He gives strength to the weary, talking about God, and increases the power of the weak. Even youths. Or young people grow tired and weary and young as in teenagers and young men stumble and fall but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength they were soar on wings like eagles they will run and not grow weary they will walk and not faint When it comes to the eagle, when an eagle has eaglets, when it gets ready, get ready to have its babies and it's trying to teach them to come out of the nest, a mother eagle joins in with her male partner and they are typically partners for life and she will build this nest up high in the cliffs or high in the tree, the tallest tree. And according to, I'm reading from um, this website, is biology.stackexchange.com. So it's, um, it has some good information on here, but it kind of tells it as a story. Um, but I'm going to try not to tell it to you as it tells it here. Um, because in some ways it kind of sounds a little corny but what she does is she surprises them and all at once she pushes the little one out of the nest and the eldest falls down or the eaglet I'm sorry falls down to the face of the cliff surely to be destroyed but not so in a flash the great mother eagle flies down. She swoops down, catches the little one on her back, and flies up and deposits it back into the nest. And this is a, a process that the eagle does multiple times. The mother bird pushes the little one out again and again and over and over and over again. Repeats the same process. The, eagle, the eaglet is falling down to its death but before it reaches the bottom to meet its death the mother eagle swoops down catches the eaglet on her back puts her back in the nest I'm going to read to you directly from this website it says why would a mother do that to her young does she hate the little one not at all it's just that those little birds were made to fly and they don't know it. So she is going to push them out of the nest. She never lets them hit bottom, but she does let them fall because they have to learn something they don't know. The next time the mother bird comes back, she decides to clean house. And so she stands on the edge of the nest. The first things to go are the feathers inside. She drops them over the edge, then the leaves go over the edge. While this is going on, she's not very talkative. She is, seems to be paying no, them no attention. She has built the house. She knows how to take it apart. 
Next, she decides to take the sticks out of the middle of the nest and with her great strong beak and feet, she's able to break them off and stand them straight up. So she's making it uncomfortable for the eaglets. Then she takes a certain key sticks out of the nest and throws them over the edge. She seemingly pays no attention to the concerns of her young as she prepares to pull the nest apart for she is determined that those little ones will fly and she knows something they don't. She knows they will never fly as long as they remain in the nest. It is so interesting that the mother eagle goes through this process with her eaglets. And then for the word in verse 31 that says, But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. It seems to me that the mother eagle prepares her eaglets to sort of live out that same text. But they're soaring with their wings because they're eagles. They will run and not grow weary they will walk and not faint because what greater bird is it out there than the eagle in my opinion there is no great bird like the eagle that's why the eagle is the most talked about bird out there Yesterday, I graduated from college. I received my associate's and my bachelor's degree of science. And I have had a journey quite like the eagle. But I did not have a physical mother in my life to tear up the nest so to speak to push me out but I had many mothers surrounding me to push me out of the nest I had many pastors and many friends and loved ones who nurtured me throughout the years and even to now when I was growing up I had a very very difficult life it was me and my twin my twin brother was born with Down syndrome and my mother had schizophrenia and I had quite a journey I lived with an uncle who I loved dearly until I realized that he was using me throughout the years and I became a part of a cult and I call it a cult because that's exactly what he sort of uh, nurtured and he created this group that became a cult and I lived with him and it wasn't until I became an adult when I began to start to my eyes became open and I started to kind of see that some of the things that was going on within this group were cultish and a friend at the time had sent me um this form that it had like 10 these these are 10 10 things that you would know if you are a part of a cult um, 10 signs, 10 signs that you would know that you are part of a cult. And I promise you that out of all 10, nine of those things were what was going on in this group. But one of the things that I did not have support in was school. I had a very difficult time in school. I flunked second grade. I flunked third grade. When I got to the sixth grade, they said I was too old to be in the sixth grade. So they skipped me up to the seventh grade two weeks after I was in school. And all throughout this time, I had never had a solid foundation. And I literally thought that I was just the most stupidest person on the earth. It's just I could not understand anything that I was learning in school. Like, I knew that language arts was my favorite subject. And I actually liked math, but as I got older and I had fell behind, so I could not catch up with math. I loved science, but I just 
was not good in school. I was just a typical average student. I never made the honor roll. I remember when we would have honor roll and we would all be called into an assembly um, in the auditorium and I would just watch my cousin um, at the time and I would watch you know my friends get up and oh they got the honor roll they got the honor roll and I would never get the honor roll now I was a B student for the most part but I just never did anything to make the honor roll and what I did get was perfect attendance <laughs> <laughs> and I could not wait for them to call me up for perfect attendance. But I knew deep down that just me being there was just not enough. It wasn't enough for me. I felt lost. And I used to go to bed and pray and ask God to please give me someone else's brain. Because my brain is not good enough. My brain is not good enough. But one thing about me was I was always determined. And so as I began to continue to go to middle school and high school, I had decided on my own that I wanted to go to summer school and I wanted to try to catch up. This is after I had gotten older, um, teenager, high school age. And so um, I had gotten all caught up. And so that when I made it to high school, what they did was they had me split my junior and senior year together so i went i was a freshman and then i was a sophomore and then my junior year i was a junior one semester and then the second semester i was a senior and i worked just that hard to make it to get that far and the toss test came up in texas you have the the texas uh, assessment test came up at the end of the year it's their exit exam and i took the test and i passed everything except for the math portion and i took that test over a course of time eight times eight times and i failed the test the math portion eight times and so when my class in 1997 got to walk across the stage, I did not get to walk. I finished school, but I did not get to walk. I did not get my high school diploma. And on top of that, my grandmother at the time did not, well, she, she was still technically be my grandmother, but she passed away. But my grandmother did not understand how the school system worked. So she thought that I was a high school dropout. And so she had told the entire family that Kristen dropped out of school and I was devastated I was so hurt because here it was I had worked so hard to get where I was and I still failed and I can tell you all of my life at least up until um, I had my first child I was a failure I was a failure Everything that it, that it seemed that I would touch, I failed. I would get back up. I would go running. I was just like this, this little kid that just was determined to walk. But I would always fall. And so when she told the family that I had dropped out of school, I was a high school dropout, there was nothing that I could say to convince her otherwise. Kristen had dropped out of school. She did not get her high school diploma. And I remember saying, Grandma, if I wanted to go back to school, I couldn't because there's no, there's no reason for me to go. There's, I'm done. I've done everything that I was supposed to do. But she didn't understand that. And so I decided, okay, well, I'm going to go. And I'm, it, was a, it was a program called Dallas Can. And so I decided to go through Dallas Can, and I don't remember uh, what it was if I had if I was like getting my GED or if I was trying to um, study for the math there and pass it. I don't remember, but I did go, and I did finish the program. Um, I had a prom because uh, my uncle kept me from my senior prom at my actual high school that I. Uh, had went to so at this time I was still living with him and he still didn't want me to go to the prom but um, 
one of my friend's mother convinced him to let me go. I didn't I didn't get to do any of my senior activities, by the way, because I was still a part of this cult. And it was he always told me that it was not the Lord's will for me to do it. So I just my thinking was just so clouded um, because here it was. I was a failure. And then on top of it, I was told that anything that I wanted to do I was not able to do because it was not God's will for my life and so um my mind was just completely tore up and so anyways I um I did get to go to the prom but again when it came time to take that test I did not pass it so at that point I had made a decision that it was not God's will for me to have a high school diploma, that it was God's will for me to just be who I was. And I had given up and I never looked back. I just moved forward with my life. And then a few years after that, I had moved, I had my son and, uh, I had moved to Oklahoma, had my oldest son, had my oldest son has a different father than the man that I'm married to that I have my other two children with. Um, and so my oldest son, and which by the way, him, me and his dad were, were friends, so we're very close. But my oldest son, um, when me and his dad split up, I had moved to Oklahoma. And so when I moved to Oklahoma, I had decided, well, I don't know who I am <laughs> that I don't know what I'm supposed to do other than dance because some of you all may know that I dance professionally so I'm like other than dancing and I, I didn't want to uh, like go off to you know New York or anything like that at the, at, at the time to dance professional I was already dancing professionally but I didn't want to go outside of the state so I wanted to do something else but I didn't know what that was and so um, I knew that my physical body would not be able to dance forever. So I needed something else. But I didn't know what that was. And so when I moved to Oklahoma, I had decided, well, maybe I'll get my GED. Because at that time, they had a great GED program. And what I had did was I had got on the phone and I had ended up talking to the state of Texas and they had said that, you know, you can take you. We we see that you did pass the other courses with a TOS test. So if you just go ahead and take the math GED for the state of Oklahoma, we will match it to your records in Texas and we will give you your diploma. And so I went, I was, I was like, great, great. So I was like, I don't have to take the whole GED test, just take the math portion. And so I went to, I had studied, 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 studied. And so I went to, um, to take that test. And the day that I went to take the test, the people that was there for the state of Oklahoma, they told me that what I was told was not true. And... <laughs> I went off. I went off. So this time I'm like I'm 25. So I went off. I lost it. I lost it. I was like I think I was even cussing. I was probably like F the whole education system. I was so hurt and so torn and so mad so full of rage and anger and I think on my way out I probably knocked some stuff off some folks desk I mean I cut up I cut up and so if you heard that it's like, it's like a big acorn falling down from the, it fell on top of a crate that I'm right next to out in my yard but anyways I was heated so I left and I was determined, yes, just like before, this is not what God wants. I am a failure. This is who I'm going to be forever. So I seriously at that point never looked back into getting my education. So as time went on, I ended up getting married. My son was... My oldest son was three when I got married to my husband now. 
and I as a parent I was all about education I couldn't even figure this out about myself but I was all about education and so I you would have thought that I was a homeschooler and technically I was at least during the summer I had this big huge chest that I had inherited when I got married because my husband had this chest that he never used so this big chest and in Oklahoma they had this where I lived they had this um, school this this teacher school that you could go to and buy stuff for that you would normally buy if you were a teacher you would buy for your classroom but it was open to the public and so I would go to this store and I bought everything education I mean I was just it was my favorite store it was like I was going in I was just going to shopping hall and I would buy flashcards and you know math all types of math flashcards and flashcards that uh one of them was like the opposites and i just bought all of this stuff for my son and i was educating my son because i was like if i i may not have been able to be successful getting my education but god i'm gonna make sure that my son does not have the life that i had i'm a failure but he will not be a failure and so i had all of these vows all of these intervals and so my son by the time he was in first grade he was reading on nearly a third grade level so much so that in the school system they would let him spend half the day in his first grade and even in second grade they will let him spend half the day in that grade and then the other half he will actually go to a classroom with the next level grade up i was so proud and then i got pregnant and i had my daughter and it was the same thing i was just just education education this education that and then even the cartoons, okay, today we're watching Caillou. Caillou's going on a journey. This is what you're going to do. We're going to watch the science guy. The science guy, uh, he's, uh, I think it was one cartoon. Uh, it was called See It, the Science Kid, something. I don't know, something like that. But but I was, the kids, they're going to watch this. They're going to learn this. They're going to learn about nature. They're going to learn about everything, okay? I was gung-ho. Then I had my son, my youngest son same thing and it was so much so that to the point with with my oldest son he went to pre-k and he went to like yeah he went to pre-k but when I had my daughter and my youngest son because I had had this education thing just flowing throughout the house they were super ready at two years old they were ready for school they didn't want to be home. They were ready to go to school. So we got them into a program to where they could go to like pre-pre-K. <laughs> okay. It's like before pre-K, they could go to school. And so I put them all in school. And so by the time my youngest son was in school at two years old, I was, I was a stay-at-home mom, but I was also a fitness trainer at the local YMCA. As I was a fitness trainer there for nine years. So I would go and I would teach. I had classes almost every day. But I wasn't teaching all day. So after he went to school, I looked and I was like, well, what now? What am I going to do with my life? <laughs> I have spent all of this time just putting so much stuff into my children. What am I going to do for me? At this time, I'm starting to desire to do something for me. And so I heard the Lord say, go to school. Go to school. And I said, okay. There was not a fight. I didn't start kicking and screaming. I had my doubts. But... I loved educating my children and I thought how in the world can I put all of this in them all of this knowledge in them and and teach them how important education is if I don't at least get my GED 
So I found out that the unemployment office had a teacher that was teaching GED courses. And so I called her and I went to meet her and she was wonderful. She was amazing, but she didn't have any openings. And she told me, she said, I will have an opening in the fall. She said, I will put you on in that list for that opening. But in the meantime, this is, this is exactly what she said. In the meantime, don't just twiddle your thumbs. I'm going to go ahead and say her name because she was amazing. Miss Lynn. This was the woman that God, heaven, opened up his gates and sent this woman down for me. Miss Lynn. She said, don't go home and twiddle your thumbs. <laughs> She said, go get a book and study that book so that when you come to this class, you are prepared. I said, okay. So I left the unemployment office and I went to a local bookstore and I found me a GED book. And I went home and y'all, I studied. And as a stay-at-home mom, I was studying that book every day as if I was actually in school. This was not like me, you know, being caught up with the kids and then I have 20 minutes to read and then I'll pick it up, you know, in two more days. No, I spent hours every day when the kids were at school, I was studying. I am a very organized person, so I organized my life to where I could study. And when I got to the, she, and she told me, Miss Lynn told me, when you get to the math, don't do the math. She said, don't even worry about the math because she already knew my story. She said, don't even worry about the math. Study everything else. But I even studied the math. And when I got confused, I put it down and I went back to science. I went back to reading, writing, whatever. I studied. And then on top of that, I wanted to go to college. And by this time, you know, my, um, oldest son's father's mother was encouraging me to take it one step further and go to college so I knew that psychology was calling my name that's what I wanted to do and study and so I ended up getting a psychology book from one of my kids teachers Um, she had just finished her early childhood development course and she gave me her intro to psychology and I studied that book I was in that book (laughs) when I was in my GED book I was in that book and I was fascinated I loved it and I just I couldn't wait to learn and so when the GED courses started up I went to class and Miss Lynn told me she told me she said this is what's gonna happen she said you're going to take all the courses for the GED with me, but you're only going, when you take the test, she's like, you're going to take the test on this date. She said, on this date, you're not going to pass the math. She said, you're going to pass these other two courses because this is easy. So we're going to pass, you're going to pass the other two courses. She said, you're not going to pass the math. This is the teacher telling me this, y'all. You're not going to pass the math. She said, don't worry about that. Because you're going to pass it the next time. Because you're just going to focus on the math. I said, okay. So we, we got in. We were going in on the written part and the writing, the social study, whatever other parts of the GED, we were going in. And on the math, I was learning the math. I was learning the math. I was in the math courses. But when it came time for the test, she told me, she said, remember, you're not going to pass the math. You're going to pass the other courses, and then we're going to home in on that math, and you're going to pass it the next time. I said, okay. This was the first time in my life that I had ever had a teacher that had put so much interest in my success. And I know now that the reason I didn't do well before is because I never had a teacher like Miss Lynn and I owe her my life. I've never had a teacher like her and, and exactly what she said happened. I went and I took the test. I passed everything except for the math and I was okay. I was okay because that's what I expected. So then we went in on the math. We, we were working, we were studying, we were working hard. She was helping me. She was the first teacher that could help me understand math. And so, guess what? The test came in December. December of 2012. 
December of 2012, I went in to take the math test. And not only did I pass the math, I was the highest score in my class, the highest score. But before I had even got my results back, Miss Lynn called me and she said, start applying for college. I was like, what? I was like, I ain't even got the results yet. She said, apply for college. I said, okay. So I had applied for Cameron University. And as I was receiving acceptance, of course, I had to turn in my information. As I had applied, I had got my letter in the mail from the GED stating that I had passed and it had my score. That was the celebration of my life. And in spring of 2013, this was in December of 2012, the spring of 2013, I was in college. And not only was I in college, the first semester that I was there, I earned a 4.0 GPA. And shortly after that, I became an honor student. So when I graduated yesterday, I graduated with honors. So I became an honor student. And then I shortly received a writing award. I made the dean's list. In the summer of 2013, I graduated with my GED from back in December of 2012. And I was asked to give a speech about my life and the journey that I went on with school to encourage others. And it was such a aha moment. And I'm so glad I had that moment because even though I graduated yesterday due to COVID, half my family, my friends, none of them were able to be there. Only my, I could only have really just my intermediate family there. The people that live in the house with me. And the it was very different. They wasn't really recognizing honor students. They wasn't doing any of that. So I was that eaglet and probably the runt, okay, that just couldn't make it. I was falling, 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 headed toward the bottom of the cliff the valley okay I was falling to my my death so to speak as far as my education and my failure a couple of years ago I met my father and I met my other siblings which I've talked about on the podcast before and when I saw how successful that they are I knew that is where I got my determination and though my life was nothing like theirs I had a good life I mean, you know, my interpretation of just what they had in comparison to what I did not have. It doesn't say that they didn't have, you know, things that life was perfect for them because it wasn't. But as far as having the support system there, I did not have anyone. I was so lonely and so alone. But it was something in my children. I always say it was my children that led me to get my education because it was it was me putting in them what I didn't have. And me wanting them to be successful and watching how they loved education, how they loved to read and just how they were interested in science. They were little eaglets that was falling and they had been picked up and they were they were out of the nest. They were now flying on their own. But I had broken wings. My wings were broken. And you cannot fly with broken wings. But God strengthened me because I had hope. I had hope. And back to the scripture. 31, but those who hope in the Lord, he will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. It says they will, they will soar on wings like eagles. Well, maybe your wings are broken, but maybe you can lay on top of your mother's wings, which in this. 
So the recording got cut off, so I do apologize that, or it got interrupted. It didn't get cut off so much, but it got interrupted. But if you have broken wings, and in the Bible, in verse 31, it says, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength, they will soar on wings like eagles. Maybe you're soaring. Maybe you need to soar on the mother's wings. And the mother, in this case, being the Holy Spirit, being the Lord, because my wings were broken and I could not fly. But the Holy Spirit, the Lord swooped down and he caught me. And then I can just fly on his back. I could just lay in, on his back until my wings were strong enough for me to fly again. And that is my life. I was a broken winged girl. I was a broken winged girl, but I did not give up. I had hope. And seven years later, because it took me a long time to get through school, and I didn't take any breaks. I took one summer break, but I was going to school even in the summer. But I have children, so I had to pace myself because I couldn't neglect my children and my husband. I couldn't neglect them. So I had to pace myself. There were times I could do four classes at a time. Then it was three. Sometimes it was two classes. Whereas I know people that do six, seven, eight classes. I couldn't do that. I had a family. So I paced myself. There were classes I did not pass. Going in school, you know, I struggled, especially after I came. You know, I was I was really fine in, in Oklahoma. But when I came to Georgia, it was a whole nother beast. Because I went to a predominantly white school. And there were times I felt completely discriminated against. Not, not by everyone. But I struggled. It was not easy. There were professors that I felt was out to get me. There were professors that I I felt really cared about me and just wanted to push me. There was professors in Oklahoma at Cameron University that pushed me. You know, they gave me hell, but they they I needed them in my life. <laughs> they taught me to work hard. They taught me to really apply myself. They taught me critical thinking skills. I know at my school here in Georgia, I was taught critical thinking skills. I didn't even know what that was, but I learned it. So I had some teachers and some professors that were great. They were wonderful. Some that pushed me, some that were difficult, but they still pushed me. Then sometimes I had downright angry, ungrateful, just hateful professors. There was one particular professor that um, I took a class with and she really encouraged for us to talk during class for us to um, engage and if we were not engaging she would get upset and she would kind of yell at us you know well, I'm tired of talking and y'all not talking I mean she was just kind of hateful and it turns engaging in class and <laughs> this woman one time I was engaging in class and I think that it was I don't I think it was something that she was saying and I, there was a contradiction it, it wasn't something that so much that I was contradicting what she was saying but it was a study that I had brought up and I was asking about if I remember correctly I was asking about well how does this apply to this particular study and I was just really engaged in class and she looked at me and she told me in front of the entire class, you talk too much. (laughs) And the other classmates were just like, oh my God. And they used to always say, Kristen, she is out to get you. And I never knew what it was I did to her. They would, and even my classmates would say, she don't like you. I, I don't, what you do to her, Kristen? Kristen, what did you do to her? She is out to get you. I could not succeed in her class. There was one professor where there was there was a year it was just oh God, everybody was sick with the flu. The flu was really bad here in Georgia. And I got my flu shot, but I I ended up getting really sick and it wasn't with the flu though. It was with tonsillitis. I had never had tonsillitis before in my life. Never had tonsillitis. And I had it so bad that the doctors had said it was a it was a new strand. They said they had never seen tonsillitis this bad. I forget what the little hanging ball thing is in the back of your your throat, but mine was so swollen it was literally dragging and just hanging on on my tongue. Just my mouth was swollen. It was just like it was so bad, and it looked like I had two pink eyes. (laughs) But I had to go to school. I had contagious 
and then on antibiotics I had to go to school and that year so many people were sick and was at school and you want to know why we were at school spreading our germs trying not to spread our germs because this particular professor did not let us miss class and it did not matter that in the books it said that if you, you know, you know, and professors would say if you're sick, you know, stay home. It's, it's better you stay home than you come to school and give everybody what you got. No, not this professor. She was like, you miss, you miss, and it's going to impact your grade. And so um, this class was met three days a week. And we were all it was like maybe maybe about let's just say if there were 35 people in the class 28 of them were sick and we all in the class coughing and sneezing and sick could i could barely keep my head up i had i was running a temperature i was so sick and i think one particular day i did miss because i just couldn't even pull myself out of the bed and then a couple other people had missed but when it came time for that first exam, half the class failed the exam. And I mean, failed terribly. I think I made like a 30 on the test. It was so bad. And I never will forget, she said, I don't know what happened with this first test, how the majority of you all failed it. And then she goes even further to say, I'm pretty sure, I don't know if it has anything to do with the half the class being sick with this virus that's going around. She said, but I am not waving the grade. I'm not dropping the grade. Tough luck. And <laughs> I was like, wow. Well, you can't really be successful in a class when you don't have any other assignments. You have four tests for the whole class and one of those tests you made a 30 on. You have to basically get an A on every test, to, the other three tests to do well. It was terrible. And you could say in your mind, well, why didn't you go above her? Well, she was one of the people that was above. She was the department head. So there are so many things that happened where I felt I was falling, felt I was falling. There was one professor who, when I told her how I was struggling in a particular class, uh, it was her class, and I told her I felt like quitting school and giving up. She shrugged her shoulders like, hmm, too bad. <laughs> like, she never said, oh, Kristen, you could do it. You know, pick your head up. You're great. You can do it. It was nothing like that. She just shrugged her shoulders. But then there were professors that pushed me and encouraged me and told me, you know what? You're more than a conqueror. And you're more than a conqueror because you can rely on the wings of Jesus. You can rely on the wings of Jesus. So if your wings are broken, if you are that eagle, that runt, that baby that is, has the broken wings, you can rely on the wings of Christ. So when you fall, Know that he's going to catch you until you can build up enough strength to flex those wings out and spread those wings out and, and those broken bones to be healed. It's a long way up to the top of the mountain. But if you keep going up, you'll make it. People try to climb Mount Everest all the time. Now, I'm not going to go that far because, you know, it's dangerous. You know, you don't, you get up to a certain spot and you can't breathe. There's, there's a lack of oxygen. Then you have to deal with the, the temperature change up there. But people do it. And along the way, when they're going up there, they're passing by dead bodies. Because the further you go up, a helicopter can't even go up far and try to, that far up and then try to save you. It can't go up. Because of the thinness of the air. But people still shoot for it. I climbed the, the highest mountain. Uh, maybe I shouldn't. Well, I guess I could, could say. I, don't, I didn't climb it, but I walked up it. And that was Mount Scott. But it was amazing once I got up to the top of that mountain. To look down and see how small the world was. And I knew that I could accomplish anything. 
because the world indeed really is small and I don't have to be small minded. I can fail forward. So if you have broken wings and if you feel like you are a failure, baby, you are not. You just continue to hope in the Lord. Because those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Thank you so much for listening. Well, after listening to that podcast, you may be thinking, well, what do you have planned now that you've graduated, Kristen? Well, I'm glad you asked. Stay tuned to the podcast because I will be talking more about the things that I have planned coming up. But follow me on Instagram at Encouragement from My Homestead because soon I will be posting to my new YouTube channel, Encouragement from My Homestead. It is set up, but I have not posted the trailer yet. This will be me out on the homestead doing different things with my animals as well as my garden, even in my kitchen. So I will be sharing all of these tips, including my DIY projects. I am also starting my own business where it's an organizational business, so I will be talking about that as well and be on the lookout for a book coming hopefully within the next couple weeks. So you will get all of this information on the Instagram account as well as I will mention it here on the podcast. As well as education is all for me, right? So I will be going back to school as well. So again, just continue to listen to the podcast and click subscribe as well as follow me on Instagram at encouragement from my homestead to hear more details. God bless you and thank you again for listening to encouragement from Kristen's backyard. Hi, this is Kristen and thank you for listening to my podcast encouragement from Kristen's backyard. For I'd like to offer you an invitation to Christ today. For John 3.16 states that for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. If you are tired of doing things your own way and running from the Lord and you want to give your heart to him today, all it takes is for you to confess your sins to him. And then state that, Lord, I desire to have a relationship with you. Please come into my heart. I accept you as my personal Lord and Savior. And there you are saved. Please click the subscribe button. And also follow me on Instagram at encouragement from my homestead. God bless.